Hello, this is Chris O'Regan, and you're listening to The Sausage Factory. This is episode 423 of The Sauces Factory. Welcome. In this episode, I talk to Renee Herberman of Bippin' Bits about the design and development of their push-your-luck arcade adventure roguelike, Dome Keeper. I discovered this... Oh, yes, that's right. Have, which, which expo do you think I discovered this game? Because this, where, this is how I find games, everyone. This is what I do. I find games... And I talk to the developers, although in this case it didn't happen that way. But I find games at expos, and then I I like them, the ones I like. And then I, I then, you know, pursue the developers or ask them on the show. At the show. At the show. But in this instance, that didn't happen. Those of you who are trying to guess which show is PAX West 2022. That's when I actually encountered Domekeeper for the first time. Raw Fury, the publishers of Domekeeper, had a rather nice booth. It's like a little cubby hole thing. And uh, there's a whole, they had like a central, like Raw Fury is hanging over a big sign thing. And there's like, lots of little, like, demo stations. Lots and lots of them. And one of them, or two of them actually, had Domekeeper on it. I thought, what's, what's this? This really strange, sort of purpley, pinky coloured pixel art game. It's very strange. Why are you in a dome? Why are you keeping it? What's so special about this dome? Well, it keeps you from being killed from the great meanies and creatures that are trying to kill you as you're digging into the soil of an alien planet. And when you do so, you discover strange and weird and wonderful things. And you use those weird and wonderful things to build other weird and wonderful things to fight off the weird and wonderful things. So this dome keeper is indeed filled with weird and wonderful things, one of whom is called Dave. Dave? Well, you'll find out who we're referring to, or I'm referring to, when you listen to this podcast, which you will, because, you know, by now, if you've stopped and realised, you, you know, I don't know, let's just hope, you, you, you're carrying on, you, you're, in, you're in for the full Monty, so to speak, you're, you're in, you know. I think I've actually now started to talk in circles, as I do in these intros. So at this point, I'm self-aware enough to know that maybe, maybe I should hand over to my past self. So I'll do that. Chris, please get us out of this mess. Hello, Renee. Hi, Chris. Hi. Could you tell nice us who... Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. <laughs> Although we've done it about 20 minutes ago. But anyway, the, 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 yeah. the, the, the joys of like podcasting, no one knows what happened in the virtual green room. But anyway... Without further ado, let us press on then. Who are you, sir? 
And what do you do? Yeah, I'm. Yeah, that, that that's a already kind of a deep question, right? It Who is. Am yeah. I? <laughs> like, yeah. Who are any yeah, of us? I'm, oh I'm, well. <laughs> I'm just a guy, a, a guy who loves games and yeah. uh, loves to make games. So I, I guess that's um, that's the broadest summary I can give. That's fair. And you've made a game, uh, which we're here to talk yeah. about, is Domekeeper. I'm very excited to talk about that. And well, just yeah. No, we 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 spent we moved heaven and earth to get you on the show, and it's it's happening, yay! So, how did you make us start making video games? Oh yeah, uh, that was actually quite long ago when I was uh, uh, fourteen years old. I think uh, I bought my first computer from the. Uh, I don't, don't know if there's uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's something in in the English speaking countries too, like uh, bar mitzvah, but for Christians. <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah. How, yeah. how is that called? Like Ooh. confirmation? You know that? Might be that. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's confirmation. Yeah, uh, and then I got some money from my um, relatives and bought my first PC with that, and uh, that opened up um, kind of a new world for me because suddenly I um, had full access to a PC. And uh, before that, I so my parents were kind of strict about it. They limited my access to a PC for to to one hour each day. And but with my own PC, I, I had free reign, and then I uh, found a nice program called Blitz Basic, mm. and there you could um, just with a few lines of Basic uh, make games, and that was totally magical. And I knew, I, I didn't even think about if I want to do that. I, I just uh, I jumped in and uh, was was happy to <laughs> to play around with that. Wonderful. So Wonderful. That, that was my entry. It is quite interesting yeah. how. Many developers cut their teeth on things like Blitz Basic, a very high-level programming language, and you started there. And when you got on to more sophisticated programming languages, I suspect a lot of the stuff you learned with Blitz Basic realized that it's probably not very good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just some of the logics and some of the underlying stuff was fine for what it was trying to do because it's designed for one purpose to make games right whereas um yeah. you know when you actually look at something like i don't know c plus plus for example uh which is a universal language you can design for yeah. all sorts of other different purposes you realize that a lot of the underlying lessons you learned with bliss basic wasn't so useful <laughs> uh yeah I, i'm i'm not sure so uh yeah of course bliss basic was <laughs> Of course, it was simple in a way, yeah, yeah. but it also it also was uh, amazing in the sense that you could write a pong uh, a pong clone in like uh, ten lines of code. Yeah, and I, yeah. I've never I've never seen anything uh, like that uh, since. Like afterwards, I switched to uh, Java with um, okay L W J G L is like an OpenGL binding for Java mm. and. <laughs> Just bringing a texture manually to the graphics card and eventually drawing that was so much effort. And in Blitz Basic, it's one line loading that <laughs> thing from the <laughs> from yeah. the from the disk, and then you can already draw it. Yeah, Done. it's because it's it's designed for one purpose, as I say. When you have something like yeah, that, it's gonna you, know, you want I want to do the thing. Whereas you have a more universal pro uh, uh, thing, clearly it's not going to work. You're gonna have to define all those functions first. Before yeah. it's gonna because it's like oh you can do what you like knock yourself out. <laughs> um, yeah, I just find that fascinating. Is that there's lots of people criticizing these languages, which is wrong. Because I think it's you're right. Yeah. It's, it's designed to do one thing. It does it really well. So shut up. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I mean, I mean, you still learn about uh, the flow of a program and mm -hmm. how to reason with uh, variables and uh, how yeah. to build loops and such. So that's all the things. Uh, you, you you learn, yeah. That doesn't change. You're right. Doesn't change. Yeah. <laughs> it's the more subtle things, well, less subtle things that do. And uh, yeah, but yeah, I just I just find it all quite quite fascinating that. And uh, so you you started with 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 the PC and uh, carried carried on going with that. So this is and and that's kind of your your founding. And you've been making games ever since. Did you go to university uh, and stuff or what? Yeah, yeah. So I've been playing games uh, for longer, right? Uh, mm -hmm. than, than I was making them, right. uh, and 
yeah, I could say I've been making games ever since, but there were also longer time spans where I didn't really work on anything. Uh, but I've always, <laughs> I've always played games uh, like crazy. Right. Uh, so by by far the thing I've done most in my life, probably. Now I'm I'm not sure. Maybe not more than sleeping, but, <laughs> but pro- probably in in that area. There are times when I was playing a certain game involving the crafting of war and lots of people. Um, yeah. That, yeah. That's that's. I spent a lot of time at, at that playing that game. And listeners, no, you can't take a drink. So I didn't name it, did I? So no. Sorry, I do mention <laughs> that game in the show a lot. Because it's uh, it was it was so pivotal, it was so important, it it meant a lot. It it just broke so many barriers and made things. It did such a great job, and I spent a long time playing that game. And uh, yeah. Get to the, yeah, I mean, I still never forget Sunday morning spending two hours, just two hours fishing for a particular type of fish, which I then yeah. cook. Well, not even for myself. It was for the warrior or the fighter, or what have you, who was needed the buff during a particular raid. It was just absurd. <laughs> and it was at that point I went, hang on. <laughs> What's happening here? What's going on here? Why am I doing this? Why aren't they doing this? But apparently yeah. it's my job. So anyway, at that point, I realized that, and really the other points, I realized that maybe I should stop. But point being, yes, playing games for a long time is fine. I think the, the longest game I played recently is, um, is yeah, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. That's the one I've played the most mm-hmm. longest period. Uh, ever, ever since then, there's been small games nipping in and out. And then throughout this year, just going in and out of Elden Ring. But we'll talk about that later, maybe. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> as a creator of video games, for you are that, Rene. Yeah. What are your uh, biggest influences? Oh, yeah. Um, so, I, I think, so, one fundamental influence is basically um, all the games I've played, and especially those I really, really enjoyed. So just as I mean, as as a gamer uh, or the the gamers uh, listening, I, I'm sure they can imagine if they think about games, they think not about every game they played, but about certain games that uh, I don't know deeply touched them, or where they had an amazing time, or where they had wished it was uh, uh, they could spend more time there, and there were more mechanics or more content around that. And so that's that's. I think what was a, and still is the biggest thing, uh, broadly speaking, influencing me and also like a big motivation to get into this. And then if we, <laughs> yeah, then if we go into like who specifically or which games specifically, um, oh yeah, that's also very difficult to answer. So what I, I think when I uh, got more serious with making games, I l- started to listen to many podcasts and there were a few people that uh, stuck out to me, to from which I, I feel like I, I learned a lot, and that's uh, Justin Ma from Subset Games, um, also Into the Breach being one of my favorite games, and I love the game design also there. Um, then Lucas Pope, uh, his sensibilities around making games too, and to to a lesser part also Edmund McMillan, uh, who spoke a lot about. Um, curiosity and um, secrets and being able to discover things in games so these 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 guys at least <laughs> were my i think big design influences right you might have answered a later question as well which is great but yeah that does be inspired and be in, influenced by the works of others definitely yeah. not unusual but it's never been really broached i say never not often broached in this question to be actually influenced to, to cite them as a direct influence as a person as their particular work. Hmm, it may have been in the past, yeah. but not so, so, so obviously like that. Normally, we talk about we 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 used it as it's been used as a an example of someone else's work and say I kind of like what they do and I've kind of drawn from there their way of working what they make 
mm-hmm. to actually cite them as a per- as people. And then those those names are often uttered on this show for good reason. Yeah, um, yeah, that's uh, that's a really good answer. So why not? You know, um, there's many, there's many of it. I mean, quite frankly, looking at Domekeeper, um, I would have thought your know, dark sense of humour is, is definitely <laughs> there, uh, and we're going to talk about that uh, later. But because uh, there's a, it's a thing that happens in that game. It's not a spoiler, everyone, uh, and I'll talk about that later. Yeah. But uh, let's 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 hold off for now. And let's move on to the next question. Um, uh, and... what, 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 sorry, if, if I'm yeah, just yeah, please, you're, yeah, you're, you're yeah. Uh, I do have one more game uh, that okay. also was a big influence uh, yes. from uh, Thomas uh, Vandenberg, uh, the key, a game called Kingdom. Um, and that that's actually published by the same publisher we are uh, with, with by Raw Fury. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that was also a big influence on... I think what I like to do now as a uh, developer, mm. uh, sort of, it, it's a, a minimalism and also uh, a nice way of not having an explicit tutorial, but gradually uh, opening the game up in a way and uh, slightly moving the, the players in. But a lo- a lo- I guess a lot of that was also just um, joining so many game jams. And I think all of all of my design sensibilities really uh, shaped around game gems. Yeah, uh, Kingdom. They've, they've been on the show as well many years ago when it first was oh. released. Oh, oh, I didn't uh, know. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I have to. I have to listen to that. <laughs> I think I should think you should. Um, it yeah. is an extraordinary game. Um, I actually call it a miniature grand strategy game. Like what? Like mm-hmm. oh, it totally is. Because you're pushing out <laughs> and you're pushing out your borders and you're setting up camps and constantly, you know, balancing your advancement versus trying to not let your monsters take over, and it's just amazing. Yeah. It's just it, it it really it's 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 a wolf in sheep's clothing that game. You think it's one thing, and it really isn't what you think it is, and uh, <laughs> yeah. that's that's why I love about it is just that. If you think it's oh I got this? No, no, you really don't. Anyone who sits down yeah. within first ten minutes of playing that game think oh, I got this? No, no. You you think yeah. it's like there's some little action adventure game where you go off and exploring? No, you do not. That's the last last thing you do. You eventually do it, mm. but not yet. You gotta you gotta you know you gotta pace yourself because otherwise all your villagers will die. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I I also love the uh, indirection or indirection in general with games where you do something mm-hmm. and then can just watch things unfold in a way. Yeah, uh, yeah. And especially in Kingdom when it's done so elegantly, where you really only have uh, three buttons to control the whole game with. That's right. And it works. And uh, I, I, yeah, I, mean, I still remember like just the joy of discovering. Okay, what happens if I place? Uh, money here and uh, yeah, of course they come and build something but what does it do yeah so the game doesn't tell you 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 no. can learn that on your own yeah and uh, <laughs> sorry if i keep uh pushing no, that topic no, out no. and i i think for, for me that's also a beautiful thing because that's what i grew up with like when i was a kid um we we had some games around uh, we had a pc that came with pre-installed games um and there no one explain to me how the game works and sometimes the games also were in english and so imagine um, i don't know sitting a eight-year-old in front of command and conquer one uh, with some safe games <laughs> that that he can load and uh, now has to figure out how this game works and i, I feel like that was yeah th- that's just how i grew up with games and i think that's also why i enjoy figuring things out in games more then it's uh, usual. Like I disable or skip every tutorial I can and try to just learn it on my own. Interesting, interesting. I mean, some some games actually revel in the fact that you know, just go figure it out off your pop. That's that's the part of the joy of the experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, no, I, I I can only imagine you trying to play Command and Conquer with. Just barely understanding of, or no understanding of yeah. English, like, um, oh boy, I mean, I barely get it, but I, you know, so <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my native I, language. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I just I just started building tanks and lining them up uh, in a nice okay. row, so it would okay. <laughs> it would look nice. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it was just like, oh, we're, this is the new version of Dune Two. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's because I'm old, ceiling. Sorry. Anyway. Um, so I so, said, oh, this, this is unit things. It's great. It's, it was a lovely advancement because I was playing Dune Two on the Amiga. Of course, I wasn't English, mm. and then then went on to. Um, Kuala Conquer on the PC and uh, what, a, yeah. what a revelation that was so next question I think you kind of answered this already but I'll let you expand a bit or maybe even broaden it out but to what video game mm-hmm. developer do you most admire and why oh um, <laughs> yeah I, I guess it would uh, again boil down to um, I guess subset games as a duo Mm. And the, and also Lucas Pope, yeah. And uh, the the funny thing to to me about that is, um, I love their work and it's super impressive and uh, they have my total admiration. But I know I couldn't and I also would not want to work like they work. Okay. <laughs> so so uh, it's Can it's you expand a little on bit, that uh, a little bit. I mean, is it a yes. work ethic problem? Go on. I mean, uh, or is yeah, it just like that, you know? Go on. No, that they are taking like five or more years for right. a game, right? And that's like um, I know I know it from Into the Breach. So they make <clears throat> they make prototypes and they iterate and iterate. And when the thing finally releases, it's absolutely amazing. Everything yep. is good about it. Every team has a like you have these eight teams in Into the Breach or squads, and everyone brings something new and fresh and having even eight in there is is great mm. and yeah it, it's just a absolute it's a finished game it's like at 100 percent when you when you play it you don't feel like anything is missing or anything more could be done with that it's complete <clears throat> and they have the patience to do that they have the patience <laughs> to say okay we've worked on a thing for one year it's yeah. not as good as we want we scrapped right. that and we do like two more years then right yeah i mean they're not perfectionists no because that means if they were the perfectionists the game wouldn't come out at all yeah Um, but 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 they know they they, sorry yeah no i'm just thinking but they do know how to polish and they do understand the concept of good enough or do they yeah yeah but uh, i feel like they also have this high bar like Mm. the stuff uh, Design-wise, the stuff has to be really good. They, I feel like they don't make a lot of compromises on gameplay or, or content. I, I think they wouldn't add a squad where they have the feeling it's not up to standard, and their yeah. standard is high for that. Yeah, and um, you know people love them for it and their work. Yeah, but it, the effort and the pain and the time—that's what—that's what you find daunting. That's why you think, "Come on, it's uh, yeah." You know, and I have to say, if Domekeeper is a is a product of your work ethic and your way, not work ethic, sorry, that's another way of putting it, your approach to game creation, it's way better of putting it, um, <laughs> because I'm sure they just work seven hours a day and, that kind of, and five days a week, hopefully, if they've got any sense about them, because, you know, otherwise mental health yeah. issues kick in. But if, if Domekeeper is anything to go by, obviously both methods work. Of both approaches, I would say, work because uh, honestly, Domekeeper is an extraordinary, extraordinary game, and it does point to some things about you were mentioning earlier about discovery. But again, I'll hold off for now. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and Lucas look, look Pope, I also want to mention. Yes, yes, um, yes. I mean, he's uh, one of these uh, fabled solo developers, uh, which so which I also would not want to do, and don't think it's necessarily a good thing because you can't be usually excellent in every area but he i mean he uh was a naughty dog right as a sort of tools programmer which is a very specific thing but then he also goes about and makes amazing art or super characterful art and also the, the music is also great it just has a, this, a, a great feel about it and of course also very fresh novel uh, super well-made game design yeah, and that's uh, combining that into one person is insane. 
I mean, that he does it uh, also means, okay, he will spend all these years uh, with the project. And there we are again at the at the point where I, for, for me, I I don't think I could, uh, <laughs> I could kind of suffer through that, like uh, looking at the same game and thinking about the same game for five years or something like that. No, no, I, I get that. I understand. It's, 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 it's a case of um, when you encounter someone who's a polymath, like Lucas yeah. is, he can do all these things, and uh, uh, and it's not as a very small percentage of people can do all those things as competently as he can. Yeah. Um, uh, but he's he like I said he he has a bar he set it that's his his cross to bear. <laughs> so to speak mm. and if he wants if that's where he wants to place it and he has placed it and he will not budge from it then so be it yeah so be it. yeah yeah i mean it's 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 great I, i'm sure they are mostly happy with, the, with their approach to to things i i know everyone would take would like to take less time <laughs> but uh, i mean it's it's a choice right? yeah, yeah yeah right then the last question of the first half here it comes. See, you made it. Mm -hmm. Provided you get past <laughs> this bit. It's kind of like a little mini boss. But anyway, here we go. Mm. I have to ask this question because we are a video game podcast and every video game podcast, not everyone, but I'd say 90% of them ask questions either between themselves or to their guests. So here it is. Uh -huh. What are you playing right now? Ha! Uh... Yeah, I, I'm playing a game that is uh, that just launched into early access, and Ooh. that is uh, the the hot shit right now. I would say right. uh, it's it's called uh, Cosmo Tier, and uh, you build a spaceship in a very flexible way. And I'm I'm not usually interested in uh, spaceship building games, so I've right. played none of those. I didn't play Space Engineer or something like that. But the, again, this game makes it a little bit easier than the 3D games and has a nice model about building the ships and it sort of sucks you in like uh yeah you you want to you start small and then you want to expand your ship and discover a few new methods and uh play around building different like, configurations of a ship trying to uh, improve and uh, get stronger and that uh that works out pretty well so the name of the game again? I didn't quite catch it. Cosmo Tier. Cos oh, right. I'll have to check it out. Might get him on the show. Who knows? Early access, you say. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the, the other thing I'm playing right now is Satisfactory. Right. Um, yeah, I, I love factory games. I, I've, I didn't play them all, but uh, <laughs> I played uh, the, I feel like, the big ones uh, excessively. Well, Factorio for a start, a bit obvious that one, but yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. I, I made huge things there, and I'm very proud of them. <laughs> yeah, people. I mean, when when people approach you, like, like, what are you doing? How do you know where everything's going on? And you <laughs> and, and you look at them and honestly say, I don't. I just. I remember building that three weeks ago. I can't remember how it works now. I just know it does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, to to me, it's amazing to eventually look at the complexity of the thing you build. Like in Factorio, yeah. I had smelt like smelters that would not even fit on the screen anymore, like smelter rows. <laughs> and, and there's this other game like uh, Shapes IO. Right? Uh, do you, are you familiar with that? Mm, uh, Shapes IO. Don't think so. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah, I'll probably know if I yeah. saw it though. Yeah, it's basically also like Factorio, not only that you uh, build these shapes made up, uh, so you recolor these shapes and they are cut in four pieces and you can recombine them. And it starts easy and it has uh, has the nicest way of introducing complexity I've seen in these games. And it builds up to more and more automation until eventually you build a multi-purpose factory where you can just feed a design and effect like like programming a CPU, um, you just feed it the design you want to get out, and it will, from all the basic ingredients, just combine it with a lot of logic into uh, the right shapes, and that feels like the, like I don't know the Mount Everest of, of factory games. Yeah, and also really is 
demonstrating enough that we're all going to die under the boot of the robot overlords. But it's fine. <laughs> fine. Yeah. At least yeah. we had some fun. We have some fun while on the way, but you know. Yeah. Now, now, it's, now it's time to be ruled over by our robot overlords. That's, that's a fantastic response. I'm going to have to delve into those because um, I have dabbled with them. Uh, and I just, uh, I did, like I said, I love the fact that you start with complex systems. Well, you start with very simple systems, which mm-hmm. then those simple systems are built on top of other simple systems, which are then built on other simple, and then it becomes ridiculously complex because of the dependencies, which you can't see until it's too late. Because you yeah. realize that, oh, if that fails, that's going to create a massive cascade event, and I've only got one of them. <laughs> This yeah. is bad. And that's how it works. It's like, you know, we're now going to create a terrible event or chaos, going to cause chaos, going to cause that to break down for reasons you don't know. And now you're going to have to fix the, the mess because everything is dependent on that one component. No yeah. redundant, you know, and you just fail to do redundancy. It's amazing. And um, maybe I can share my favorite moment from Factorio. Please do. Yeah. Um, so I was, I was basically untouchable. I had the, perfect setup i had a huge base and uh un- uninterruptible power supply nothing could touch me and i was um so you always have this like central base right and just for the fun of it i built these little outposts that had a few laser cannons in them and artillery and the train was coming by and uh, restocking the artillery and <clears throat> i had like 10 of these outposts that would even keep my home base clear of any monsters so I didn't even need any turret in my facilities because I had this outer ring of artillery outposts. Right. Uh, I, I hope I hope that's, that is uh, imaginable. Yeah. And yeah. you can get a technology that your artillery has uh, greater reach. And I got that. And with the, in that moment, every artillery outpost was starting to shoot. That meant that thousands of bugs came in and attacked those artillery outposts, which is not a problem in itself. But <laughs> what I learned is that if they all attack at the same time, yeah. it does kill my power supply because every turret is firing. <laughs> and, <laughs> and suddenly there was a blackout and suddenly <laughs> one and the uh, the other and the next outposts fell. Oh, no. <laughs> and, and And that was a beautiful moment, just like the hubris of uh, thinking... Yeah, I've been untouchable for fifty hours. Nothing yeah. can happen now. Uh, I, I like uh, you. Eventually, you get into these uh, balancing systems where you have mm. uh, atomic energy, and you have a little like logic thing that uh, detects if the energy is low, and then an additional steam steam power supply kicks in and, and such. But uh, that did not <laughs> did not help. <laughs> it was still too much. Yeah, overpower. You should have put more power supply like in reserves. But, uh, you know, yeah. I suspect you needed twice as much power as you needed that you thought that you currently had to, to supply yeah. supply power to the outpost, which may or may not have been needed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I had also these huge battery farms and solar panels and such, right. and I, I didn't have any energy hiccup for 50 hours. Yeah. But then <laughs> you get into a situation that uh, you did not predict that no. was totally unimaginable. <laughs> Well, it was imaginable, imaginable <laughs> by, the, by the developer. That's what they did yeah. to you. Because they think, <laughs> oh, you think you've got this? You think you've, you've you cracked the circle, you know, the circle of things, and you're now spiraling out where you're, there's no longer a, um, in a, a, a crossover point. It's, it's like a conversion point. It's like, oh, no, mm-hmm. you've, 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 you've broken the system. You broke, you've broken the game. Well done, you. Oh, that's what you think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and a lot of these grand strategy management games do this to you. You think, you know, Stellaris is famous for it, in my view, is that mm. you think you get this incredible empire that's self-sustaining. Liar. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a huge space monster. Oh, come on. It's now eaten yeah, three of your major planets. Oh, yeah, yeah, Stellaris is so good with that. Yeah, it's just like you think you got this beat, you're an idiot. You just, yeah, you, you, uh, the thing about Stellaris is you're always just hanging on for dear life. That's the point. You get periods, yeah. you get periods of 
you know, quiet and, you know, but they don't last very long. Thank God. See, that's the same thing I want to do with them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Speaking of which, you're good at this. Uh, speaking of which, let's uh, move on to the second half of the show. We are going to delve deep. Hey, see what I did there, everyone? I know you don't know. You don't know what <laughs> but we're going to delve deep with Domekeeper. Let's do this. First question, regular listeners will know, isn't really a question. It's more like a request because you and I can't really mm. talk about Domekeeper until you tell us what it is. Bit, you know, chicken and egg, really. So, uh, yeah, if you could provide the chicken or egg, <laughs> maybe the egg. Uh, what is Domekeeper? Yeah. Uh, Domekeeper is a little game uh, that comes out uh, if you join a game gem and have the theme deeper and deeper. So it's a mining game. Like mining games are the most obvious choice uh, for, for this theme. And because mining in itself is fine, but it uh, it serves no purpose. Uh, if uh, also so Sometimes it serves no purpose. Sometimes you only have a high score and, that's, and that tells you, yeah, you mined X or, or something like that. And in Domekeeper, uh, I wanted to have a purpose, and the purpose is <laughs> staying alive, may maybe, be because um, you get attacked by hordes of monsters in regular intervals. Like uh, you have a, maybe a 90-second phase of mining, and then you get attacked by monsters and have to go back to your dome and defend and uh, shoot down these monsters, and then you can go back to mining. And when you mine, you find all these resources and gadgets and uh, things to improve your dome or open up different ways of uh, playing or managing your your uh, logistics in, in a way. Um, yeah, and suddenly you have this sink for for resources, right? You not only uh, spend resources so you can mine more, but also uh, to defend yourself better. And that's a kind of uh, Timing wise, both uh, uh, like a constant pressure because you always have to be optimizing things um, and also thinking about how do you spend your resources. And yeah, that, that creates a loop, a core loop that uh, works well. Uh, we noticed that in the game gem uh, where we made it and <laughs> never looked back. Certainly haven't. I think. Uh... The opening shot of your dome hurtling into through space. Yeah. Reasons never really explained, but that doesn't matter, probably not. And you just land on this planet. What I love about it, and I'm not sure if this is deliberate or am I reading too much into it, but not only do you land on the planet, but you also land on this poor little <laughs> He's just He's just rolling around in the mud doing stuff, you know, chilling. Yeah. yeah. And then you just land on him. Doesn't him, her, yeah. them? I don't know. Just land on them, splat. And I'm thinking, oh, well, that's why they keep on attacking you because you took out Dave. <laughs> you killed Dave. I mean, come on, Dave was a yeah. good bloke, and then you yeah, just landed the on best him. Of them. 
He was the best of the best. He was the best. He was, he was, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I did call him Dave. So he was Dave. So, I started, yeah. so, and so every time I start a new cycle, I'm really sorry, Dave. And I actually <laughs> desperately like, I was so close to writing. Can I not kill Dave at the beginning? <laughs> can you can you yeah, patch it? Can yeah. you can you patch it out so you don't? Because he didn't deserve that. But of course, I'm not sure if it was deliberate. Maybe it was. But it, it explains why they're trying to blow out your dome because he killed Dave. <laughs> That's my story, and I'm sticking with it. If it's not true or not, I don't. I'm sure. See, this is what happens when you make things; they cease to be your own. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I mean that—that's also kind of the beauty of it, and uh, definitely a thing I want to encourage. Yeah, uh, and also one of the reasons why uh, we don't tell you anything specifically in the game. Yeah, um, I love it when the people can think and reason on their own about uh, what's happening, why it is happening. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean. The, the game is still a little bit thin on that regard. Like, I, I want to do more things. Right. Uh, I want to give them right. more things to, to uh, think about and to kind of, uh, yeah, uh, discover and uh, put into the uh, puzzle the, the, all, the, all these little pieces. Like, uh, we, I mean, we have a, we have a backstory, a, a rough backstory and such, why we are here, what we are doing. Um, but nothing, <laughs> or nearly nothing is told in the game. Um no. Yeah, it's, but, but um, it, it, yeah. it's fun. apart from the murderization of Dave, there's not really much explained. Yeah. So let's, let's move on to the first. <laughs> Sorry, I know, yeah, you, you can I'm take a... it back to your design team for that. Like, oh God. <laughs> yeah, but but um, Dave is also a little bit. Uh, I mean, it, it's very much focused on Dave in that regard. Yeah. Um, my. my my original plan with that was to was to have several different animations in, in of that kind, right. but in in the release stress, yeah, uh, in, and then wrapping up the content, we yeah. only had this one and never <laughs> made a second. So it's every time it's Dave. Sometimes uh, fate, that, yeah. Sometimes fate says that's how it should be. <laughs> yeah, uh, but uh, there will be new ones eventually. Okay, I'm sure. Okay, well, good. So no, no more. The, the, yeah, I mean, it'd probably kill Kevin then or something. I don't know. I yeah, just, yeah. It's another one. But yeah, he's just looking up, chilling, like, what's this? Splat. I, yeah, on, there are honestly, times I... I'm, I'm siding with the monsters sometimes. I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah, you started it. I've started um, it. <laughs> I, honestly, I, I thought about it a little as our Simpsons couch kick. Right. Like uh, we we could <laughs> do do something like that for every uh, like have one hundred of those. Yeah, yeah. Each time you, you would see a different one. Yeah, it's a different one. The, the, the couch check. Yeah, cool. So first design question. Here it comes. Brace yourself. Mm -hmm. Dave didn't look. What happened to him? Anyway, brace, bracing. The push and pull between the acquisition of things versus the safety of the dome is quite frankly relentless. Mm -hmm. I reckon about 70 to 80% of your time playing the game, you are going, oh, I've got to get back. <laughs> I, can't, <laughs> I, can't, I, can't get, I can't pick all this stuff up now. This is the worst game ever. What have you found <laughs> when designing the balance aspect of Domekeeper that maintains a sense of challenge whilst not letting the player list into hopelessness? Uh, yeah, yeah, that, that, that's that's a good one. Um, you. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's clear when I have to think so, so much about it. Um, and, I mean, in general, what, what can happen is that... Uh, have, that you have a stronger loop on the downwards uh, spiral in a way, like uh, you are you are not on top of the resource curve, like some people say, and uh, th now you have to spend stuff on defense, yes, uh, that you can't spend on mining, and then it it gets worse. It does, it does. <clears throat> there are a few uh, balancing systems in play that can help with that, but only very uh very softly like the the strength of the waves uh it adjusts a little bit like um if you had a horrible wave the next wave will be softer 
And if you have, if you keep having soft waves, uh, it will eventually send you a harder wave. So there, there is a little bit of, of that going on, but it, that's not that's honestly not something I ever saw someone picking up on. So it, it's it's I think it's pretty subtle, but it does help uh, evening that out a little bit. Yeah, I think it does a really good job that you actually get certain devices that allow you to when your dome is cracked to pieces and then you get this special device and go, look, I've all repaired it now. Yeah, great. But what yeah. about all the other stuff I need to do? And the, oh, look, there, there's hordes of them. That's not going to last. That's what normally happens. It's almost cruel. Almost yeah. cruel. Um, <laughs> it's like, it's really like, but I just I survived. Yep. No, you didn't. Uh, you, I, it's like he dangles yeah. his carrot, then whips it away from you. And then when when yeah. you get when you get those for me that just incentivizes me to do another run. But, <laughs> because, yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. For for me, the thing about the game was um, okay. I I want this purpose for mining, right? So you you need to defend and you want to stay alive. And what I found before before like letting other people play, um, if you are overpowered, it it quickly for me at least it starts to feel uh, boring in a way and tedious because mm. you mine but you don't need it um if if you're mining just for the sake of mining so, some people enjoy that a lot but i don't and then it became just work but <laughs> if i'm if i'm struggling and if i know i i really really need to find cobalt this round and i really would love to have a few more iron so i can get this stronger laser or something like that um then it felt like then I had a drive and I knew so for, for me I, I knew I want to keep this feeling and for this feeling to stay the balance needs to be relatively tight it needs to be always a challenge and uh, yeah that can also mean that <laughs> games are lost of course and uh, many games are lost yeah oh yeah. tell me about it but that's fine because you just have another go um Next question. There are a lot of different creatures. The mm. pinnacle of which is, of course, Dave, but him aside. <laughs> well, no, no, not him aside. You know, Dave. As well as Dave, there's many other creatures as well. Uh, yeah. Because it starts off quite benign. They come on and start hitting things. And, you know, I not for one second did I think, oh, is that always going to hit? Is always going to arrive? Of course not. You went wild yeah. with these. I mean, there's the little ones that just swarm you. They're terrifying. Um, <laughs> there's the big ones that are really old. It just gets really all in the name of Dave, I'd like to point out. Mm. And yeah. um, how have you found designing these creatures in Domekeeper? Uh, President Dave. Um, <laughs> yeah. He was their leader. He was their leader. <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah. So the, the, the first bit when thinking about uh, these monsters was always from a game design perspective um like uh in the game jam we had a walker and a flyer <laughs> and i mean those are the names of, of these guys and i mean that's that's a kind of obvious choice like okay you you have of the course, setup yeah, and now, yeah. now yeah. one monster walks and one monster fly and then <clears throat> the third monster was this big driller mm. and uh, initially, you had this—you uh, had the choice between one very strong laser at the end and a double laser, yeah. and everyone was picking the double laser because it was the, absolutely the best. So I was thinking about, okay, how can we design a monster uh, that makes the double laser uh, not as good, and where the uh, strong laser, the, the strong single laser, can shine? And that was a monster, a slow monster with a lot of HP, and that's the point where I handed off to. Uh, in that case, Anna, uh, my wife who does the pixel art, and she came up with this uh, big monster. Right. And uh, yeah, was, and then it's a sketch, and then um, yeah, we we are iterating on it, and then I say, yeah, this looks like a like a tail. Could, could this be a, a scorpion thing or, or something like that? And maybe it wasn't in, intentioned like that, but this back and forth is also very important for for our process. Um. Yeah, and then then we had a driller, and then it was clear. Okay, now we have this uh, slow one. How about uh, something that requires the really, really, really most urgent attention? 
and then came in the uh, divers that come shrieking down from the sky and immediately crash into your dome. But if you shoot them while they come down, they are gone immediately. So they have no health, basically. And <clears throat> so that's, first of all, driven by game design. And the goal is always to provide a variety in challenge and how you approach these monsters. Like we could have gone the route of, okay, now we have a tier one walker and a tier two walker and a tier three walker that all make, are mechanically the same. And there is a little bit of room for that, uh, for progression. But for me, I mostly wanted to change, uh, to, in a way, to challenge the player to approach battles situations differently. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah. or again, you said there's many tiers of Walker. There's the pinnacle, of course, but you killed it at the beginning. So by landing, <laughs> yeah, on the, the best one. He's the best one. Yeah, no, he's dead. <clears throat> yeah, so, and uh, yeah, pull one out for Dave. <laughs> yeah, and uh, now we have uh, Brandon who is doing. Uh, so we brought him uh, into the team, okay, uh, because he was making um, he. Yeah, his style was already pretty close and he was making these amazing animations. Right. And animations also take a lot of time. So we thought, okay, yeah, let's bring someone in uh, so Anne can focus on other stuff. Mm -hmm. and, and now I'm doing that with him. And that's also a really fun process. Like I have a pitch from a game design perspective, right? So we need something that does this and that. And then he goes in and makes uh, 20 different concepts. And then we pick one we like, and but all, we also look at the others. And sometimes it's okay. Yeah, this monster looks like it would do X and Y. And suddenly we have, we are thinking about mechanics based on the concept, and and it turns the whole thing around. And I think quite some monsters really uh, were created like that, like uh, just seeing a cool sketch and with the sketch going back to thinking about what could this monster do. <laughs> yeah. That's really good. Well, what, what, what better way? Like, I don't know. Is this a, let's just draw something and see what it would do. Or maybe and then you just start with that because um, you, yeah. the, 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 the world is your oyster, um, so to speak. I don't know what that really means. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's you could do what you like, <laughs> uh, provided yeah. your name is Dave. Sorry, I just let go of that. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. You can't, you can't get past Dave. <laughs> can't, it's no. a trauma. Nor should anyone, quite frankly. <laughs> let's let's yeah. move on to something even more mechanical, if I may, Renee. Yeah, the, the tech tree, very important mm -hmm. component of Domekeeper. I do like the fact that the time freezes when you're looking at it. Not like yeah, in, of course. I mean, yeah, you say that, but. You play a MOBA, that never stops, is it? Yeah. You go to your tech tree yeah. MOBA, can you, does it freeze? No, it doesn't. Why? Because there's three other or four other people playing as well. So, of course, you yeah. can't stop time. So you've just got to choose the best thing within three nanoseconds. Otherwise, mid is going to die. So, yeah. <laughs> but with Zonekeeper, it does freeze because it's on your own. So that's good. But the tech tree encourages specialization on the part of the player. Mm. At least I believe. Can you talk us through how you designed the tech tree itself and each upgrade? And what have you found or how have you found making sure that the delicate balance of challenge, which you spoke about earlier, is maintained when you're building up your tech tree and, and uh, you know, getting, getting a better and better dome um, yeah. to, to, to fight against the hordes of Dave? <laughs> yeah. The, all, all the Daves. All the Daves. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so there, there are uh, multiple things in there. So first of all, uh, the upgrades. Uh, and for, for the upgrades, I always uh, thought, okay, I, I want to make this stuff really feel good. And that means I there, there's not a do 10% more damage upgrade or do uh, have your drill strength erased by... Uh, 0 0.5 percent or five percent something like that mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. it was always like uh okay your drill strength is, is up by uh, 300 percent now and and that's that's kind of a key like having a f having not that many upgrades but every upgrade that you get you should immediately feel that you yes. got it so yeah. th that's that's one key thing and that already dictates a little bit uh, what upgrades can exist and 
yeah, then we have some upgrades um, that are just like straightforward progressions. Like on the laser, of course, you have this damage, and or, or let's let's talk the sword dome. Uh, there you have uh, yeah slice damage, right? Um, but then you can also step, and then you can uh, think about okay, there are. Uh, uh, um, or can we take another example? Maybe maybe the blast mine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Where, where you can let things explode. That's really uh, of useful. course, you can. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you say so, but I'll, so that's the beauty of the gadgets. Like there's a healthy debate about it, and every, <laughs> ev everyone has very strong opinions. They and do. The opinions they do. Are, are, are so different, and that's that's a good sign for me. I, I like, like it. Uh, it. It it suits my methodical yeah. brain. Oh, I know. I'll just pop that over there. I let it blow up, yeah. and I'll come back to it later when I fight off the the hordes of Davites. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So the straightforward thing there is, uh, of course, you can increase blast radius, right? Yeah. But then you can also. Um, I, I'm always uh, trying to mix in upgrades that would change the way you handle the thing or how how you use it, and there you have these uh, directional charge upgrade that the explosion is not going in a circle around the bomb anymore but essentially blows a long tunnel into the rock and uh, yeah around that I, I try to come up with um, a few different mechanics like how you can spice up the gameplay uh, like with the sword dome you have the step mechanic and you can go two different routes essentially like one where you can step more often and very quickly, and one where you go a little bit slower, but you can fly around for a very long time and step many with one big step, essentially. Uh, so that's important. And then, uh, yeah, your other part about the question: how do we <laughs> main? How do we make sure that this is not um, getting out of control? And that's that's a great question because I'm not. I'm not confident it isn't getting out of control. <laughs> no, that's Eventually. why I asked the question. That's why I asked the yeah. question. I mean, yeah, uh, not everyone can do Path of Exile tech trees. I mean, no one. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's, that's a thing of, that's a work of art, by the way. If you haven't seen it and listeners, oh, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It's just played it. Yeah, of course. It's just ridiculous. You, you actually yeah, yeah. ignore at least um, seven eighths of it. You know, you just go, no, I'm going to yeah. go down. You have to. You have to you know I'm going to go yeah. down there. I'm going to be a cast, and I'm going to do, do that. Uh, it's just, yeah, and, uh, it's giving you choice, a breadth of choice, which is what Domekeeper's Tech Tree does. You don't do all of it. That's absurd. You just have to focus yeah. on one bit. You actually are fo you focus on the bits that you are suits your play style. That's what a Tech Tree is supposed to do. Yeah, yeah, and for Domekeeper, it's at the right spot where you, as a player, think, okay, yeah, I need this, but I also need this, and I also need this. And if you have uh, three uh, three things you need, then I'm uh, and then one, then I'm then I'm happy. Yeah. yeah. <coughs> Last question. Yeah. Here we go. All good things come to an end, as Dave only knows so well. Mm -hmm. I'm not letting go. The small color palette of Domekeeper. Yeah. It's about five colors, I think. You might disagree, but it's not <laughs> a lot. It's not a lot. Um. And uh, uh, I'm sure it's more than like, that, but it feels like it's very limited, and it creates yeah. a sense of impending doom for me. It feels adds to the claustrophobia almost. It's like, you know, you can barely there's there's barely any sun, there's barely any light. Of course, yeah. there's, ba there's barely any color. That's the point. That's how color comes about, everyone. Um, so, mm -hmm. was this choice deliberate? Was it always the way? Did it always look like this, or did it go under many? evolutions before we arrived at this kind of coloring and styling um i think the the core idea of it was always like that right uh, we have this so we made it in the game jam in three days and then it was called dome romantic and there we used a palette uh, like a pre-made palette from someone else and it had eight colors um it, it essentially was a blue and orange or or yellow and that, um, I, th I think uh, Anna used that very effectively in um, having it a very blue and dark world. 
and only setting these small highlights like uh, your dome is always a different color and mm. usually a, a friendlier color so your dome is your little oasis in all that darkness and that was important for for us um so that the dome really feels like a home like a good spot in a in a hostile world so that that was definitely intentional for, from the color perspective and also like your uh, i mean you can see that in the game if you um look closely like the color the keeper has uh is or the dome has these two are often found in the positive and living objects and the the monsters the monsters are different um and <laughs> you you even have this little connection i think it's it's broken a little bit now but we started out having the iron for example always have the Oh no! No, the, the cobalt always have the color of the dome, but we eventually had to let that go <laughs> because uh, it was it's it started to get confusing when suddenly uh, iron was blue and uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, on water. yeah. Anyway. Uh, but that might shock you, but uh, so we, we on the technical side we use a palette swap for that, right. and in that palette swap there are around two hundred colors defined. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's not five. It's it's two hundred. I know you yeah. were chuckling at that because basically your output was uh, was rethinking that there's a limited color color palette, and that's oh, probably yeah. your desire. You're like perfect. That's exactly what you want you to think. It's not yes. true at all. But there's gradients, many many gradients. It's two hundred. <clears throat> of course it is, but when you're playing yeah. through it, those subtleties aren't obvious because you're going through a run and it's just you know you're just experiencing you're seeing what you can see and you just see well everything pops out from the screen because there's not a lot of gradients in the colors it's not true at all <laughs> but it's just it just it just i just find it fascinating how you chose this and how subtle it does change over time although you're saying things like oh yeah the dome's really safe it wasn't safe for dave was it anyway <laughs> <laughs> yeah it depends on uh what, yeah, what your baseline is like yeah your, your point if, if you're you, a dark monster yeah if you're a dark monster then who's also <laughs> happens to be wallowing around in his favorite puddle it was his favorite puddle and you landed yeah. on it yeah and he well, just had time to look up and he then did. and then that was then it was already over and then 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 his wife was, was told and then it all just, it yeah. just cascaded and then they they said well we gotta go to the stone and ask questions that's just, that's what yeah. they, they, were trying to, they just wanted to know why he did it. They, they, that's it. They, you know, <laughs> that's it. Um, maybe. Um, so uh, we, we will we will we will add an animation where the uh, dome yeah. leaves the planet. Yes. Um, maybe maybe we can show a squash Dave. Then, squash Dave. That, <laughs> that remains. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. So, Domekeeper. It's uh, mm -hmm. it's developed by Bipin Bits. What a wonderful name. Tell, tell us where, where does that come from? Uh, yeah, that's kind of uh, animated up. That's <laughs> uh, yeah. We, we were thinking about okay, that we, uh, we are wanting to make games now. Uh, we need a name somehow that we can write on top, and we were thinking a little bit about it. And Anna uh, like was was coming up with that eventually, um, and it, she she with the reasoning that Bippin is something that sounds happy, like uh, happy uh, dancing bits like that but i also learned uh bipin yeah is uh is also a slang for the process of uh, breaking into parked cars right so <laughs> okay anyway and yeah. it's, uh, so don't keep is also published by raw fury you mentioned earlier mm -hmm. and what platforms is it available on please really? uh, right now pc on steam uh we are working on a uh, port for gog and uh, I hope next year we will actually bring it to um, one or more consoles. Nice, um, nice. So that, that that that's that's a goal for next year. Yeah. Speaking of consoles, do you know that the next gen consoles are no longer next gen because they're now two years old? Oh, I didn't know. <gasps> they're two years old, Renee. Two years. <laughs> Yeah, it's been a long time since I had a proper console. No, it's been it's two years. People are like, really? Yeah. Four, six months? No, two years. Anyway, so, <laughs> Renee, it's been wonderful having you on the show. It really, really has. Oh, thank you, Chris. Uh, it, 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 was, it was my pleasure. It was yeah. very fun for me. Yeah, more than welcome. 
to come back to tell us about your next project. Oh yeah, the, you know, yeah, happy of, to do so. Revenge of Dave or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, but until then, thank you very very much. Yeah, thank you too, and uh, thank you everyone who listened. Have a yeah. have a good time. Bye. Bye bye. You have been listening to the Sausage Factory podcast, part of the Cane and Rinse Collective. Support us for just two US dollars per month at patreon.com forward slash Cane and Rinse for early, extended and exclusive podcasts. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube and at our website caneandrinse.com. Thank you.